0: will gladly take over navigating our lives when we surrender to him. He's standing on the outside waiting for us to open the door of our hearts from the inside. We must let him in and give him complete control. As Pastor Rander continues today's message, listen closely as he focuses in on God's criteria for knowing his will and what we must willingly do to live in him, through him, and for him. God must always be first in all things, and we must submit to his lordship in all things. Remember to keep your Bible, pen, and paper handy.
1: Priest through me, your servant, I can't do it without you. And let those who are even at home leave the bacons and eggs and toast and coffee and tea. Be still and know that you're God, even in the spirit center and other areas of seating. Help us now in Jesus' name. And all God's children said. Have your Bible. We're continuing our journey through 1 John. Could you turn with me to 1 John chapter 4 verses 17 through 21. 1 John chapter 4 verses 17 through 21. There are these words, "Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 21. And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. And from this passage, we want to preach the qualities of genuine love the qualities of genuine love. When we ask Jesus to come into our hearts, a radical transformation happens. Jesus changes our stony, depraved, rebellious heart into a heart of love, into a heart of obedience. He changes our heart into one that yearns to do his will and a heart that longs to commune with him. Now love means many things to many people, but if we are going to reveal genuine agape love in the midst of a godless culture, and I submit to you today that this is a godless culture, it must be a love that emulates the God of the scripture. One of the greatest demonstrations of genuine love is found in John 316. One of the greatest verses of love is annotated by the Holy Spirit in John 316, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's love. This particular verse John 316 epitomizes what genuine, selfless, sacrificial love really is. And if we are going to possess the same love that God has for humanity, we must first be saved by Christ. You can't love in this way unless you have, first of all, been saved by Christ. You must live by the teachings of Christ And then you must follow the examples of Christ. If you want to love like Christ, this is the prescription of loving like Christ. This is agape Christ-like love. It is that you must be saved by Christ. You must live by the teachings of Christ. And then you must follow the examples of Christ when it comes to loving others. What are the qualities of genuine love? What are the qualities of genuine love? This is a critical message, and it's going to help you deal with people in the times in which we live. People say I love, but love can be quite difficult. And to be honest with you, some folk are hard to love. You need to not just talk love. You need to really love like Christ says we must love. What are the qualities of genuine love? Number one, we never look more like Christ than when we love others unconditionally, unconditionally. It means you don't put strings attached to your love. I love you if you do this. I love you if you don't do that. Uh, You're to love people regardless of who they are, regardless of their spiritual condition. Some folk only love safe folk, but they don't love Unbelievers. He said, How do you know I don't love unbelievers? You don't have many in your life. You know, where where are the unbelievers? Everybody in your life has to be saved. And now you ought to have saved folk in your life, but you ought to have some unbelievers in your life. That means the the postman, the the mailman has to be saved, the plumber come to your house has to be saved, DoorDash has to be saved. Everybody got to be saved. You insulate yourself with saved folk. Now, how are you going to win folk to Christ? Yeah. J- Jesus was a friend of sinners. He sat with those, he sat with pagans. He, he he ain't with pagans. He he had a good time with pagans. And yet he did not lose his testimony in the midst of those pagans. We need to be a light to the glory of God. We never look more like Christ than when we love others unconditionally regardless of their spiritual condition, regardless of how they'll behave. There are some people who can do some heinous, low-down things. I mean, you say, how could they do that? And then you turn off your love, won't even pray for them. You mad at them. You so mad. You know, when you get mad at folks, you can't, you can't pray for them. And that's why, that's why you ought not be mad at them. Don't, don't get, don't get so mad that you can't pray. Now, there ought to be a righteous indignation against sin. But now when you can't pray for a person who has done something heinously wrong, then you're too angry, regardless of their behavior, regardless of their lifestyle. And to be honest with you, all the sin and hellishness is not just in the world. It's in our families as well. Now, let's just get down with it. Everybody in your family is not saved, and everybody in your family don't act like Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> okay, come on, get over it now. Get over it, get over it. Get out of denial. Get out of denial. You know, so you, you got to love your family. I love family reunions. This is the greatest time to put your Christian testimony on display. I love going to family reunions. I love going to high school reunions and all these things because I look at it as an evangelistic time to the glory of God. Verse 17 says, look at verse 17. This is just a exciting passage. It's just... Pregnant with all kinds of truth. It says love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. In this world, we should be as he is. He being the pronoun for Christ. Only when we are mature and complete in Christ can we have confidence. In the day of judgment, Christians look more like Christ when we allow our growing relationship with him to bring us into Christian maturity, spiritual maturity. This results in our having confidence in God, in the God we serve and love. In other words, when God's love permeates the heart. There is no fear of facing God when we stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ to be held accountable for our actions and deeds on earth. Now, all of us are going to stand before God. There are two kinds of judgment, you know. There's there's a great white throne judgment that's going to come later on, and that's the judgment of unbelievers called for a day of reckoning and then banished to the lake of fire forever. Because of their rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But even we who love God and his appearance, there is called a, a judgment seat of Christ known as the Bama judgment. Where believers will stand before God and give an account of our actions and deeds, not for the purpose of determining who saved or lost. No, it's for the purpose of dismissing rewards, rewards, rewards in heaven. And there are degrees of rewards because you have some Christians who do little work. Some Christians do a lot of work and some Christians do hardly anything. And you're going to be judged by what you say, what you do and what you don't do. There's a day of reckoning at the judgment seat of Christ, not for the purpose of determining whether you are saved or lost, but for the purpose of being rewarded. As we fellowship with the Father and the Son, our love for Christ and humanity matures. The greater our fellowship with the Father, the sweeter our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, our love for him uh, is, is manifested, is revealed and matures. A maturing love gives us boldness. And confidence because God lives in us. Let me say it again. A maturing love gives us boldness and confidence because God lives in us and we live in him. Number two, another quality of genuine love is that the love of God removes fear from the child of God. Another quality of genuine love is that the love of God removes fear from the child of God. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love. See, stop reading the Bible so fast. When you love like Christ, and when Christ's love is all over you, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Let me say it this way. When we love the Lord, our God, with all of our hearts, when we love the Lord, our God, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength and obey him with our whole heart. We have nothing to fear when we love God to that degree. Love banishes fear. You see, the love of God feels our heart with joy. You got hate, and malice and bitterness. You, you, you can't have joy. And it fills out. The love of God fills our heart with peace, which banishes fear because we are forgiven. We need not fear, torment, nor judgment from almighty God for the purpose of being banished to hell forever. Because we are forgiven, we need not fear torment and punishment like the demons are going to experience, like Satan is going to experience, uh, like the demons are going to experience, like the unbelievers are going to experience. We don't have to be afraid of going to hell because of a personal, genuine, authentic relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that gives us assurance that we are in the Father's hand and we are kept by the power of God and to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Why don't you say amen? Second Timothy seven says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'm going to say that two more times. That's in the Bible. Where? Second Timothy one seven? for God has not given us a spirit of fear, for God has not given us a spirit Spirit of fear. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, when you walk around when fear, can overtake you to the extent that it drives you out of your mind. When you can be so scared and so fearful, you can't think with clarity. You cannot think straight. You cannot even connect the dots of what's going on around you. Fear does a lot of spiritual damage in the lives of believers. And that's why God doesn't want us to fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. This is going to get quite interesting. If God has not given us a spirit of fear. Then what should believers do? Do to overcome it. If God has not given us a spirit of fear, then what should believers do to overcome it? You ought to have been walking with the Lord long enough now to not allow fear to get the best of you. As some of you, the older you get in Christ, the more fearful you become, and it has paralyzed your walk, paralyzed your relationship with God. Paralyze your potential for Christ. You've moved backwards instead of forward. If God has not given us the spirit of fear, then what should believers do to overcome it? Let me tell you what you should do, because I don't want you being scary anymore. God doesn't want you to be all fretful and all nervous and fear. This might happen and that might happen. And you're doing yourself untold damage. Your fear dissipates as you get closer to Christ. James 4, 8, says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The closer you get to Christ. The less fear there will be in your life. The farther away from Christ you are, fear will dominate your life. Satan will use fear. Fear to just clobber your life day in and day out and day in and day out and take you down, 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 and down. Get close to God. Y'all, Satan is too busy. The world is too dangerous for you not to be as close to God as you can get. B, a deficient prayer life will cause believers to become fearful. A deficient prayer life will cause believers to become fearful. If there's ever time we need to be praying, it's right now. I I enjoy so much being in prayer meeting Bible study and seeing people, it's so packed out in that spirit center that I didn't even have a place to sit. That that was a good thing. I mean, people everywhere, you know, when some folk had to sit on the front row when they normally sit on the back row. (laughs) Did you see that? They were feeling, they were kind of moving and dancing. you know. Yeah, they were, I said, come on up, the first shall be last, you know. <laughs> A defic- you ought to pray in the morning, pray at noon, pray at night. You ought to pray when you're driving. You ought to pray when you're sitting down. You ought to pray when you're at the doctor's office waiting to see the doctor. You ought to be praying when you do your finances. You ought to be praying for your children, your grandchildren, your posterity. You ought to be praying for your na- nation. You ought to be praying for the president, administration, and the Supreme Court. You ought to be praying for those who are held hostage over in Haiti. You ought to be praying for world events. Your prayer ought to go past your family to this world. It's not just us folks shut the door and no more. A deficient prayer life will cause believers to become fearful. Luke 18 one says, then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men Always ought to pray and not lose heart. If you're not praying, you're going to be a scary cat. If you're not praying, you're going to lose heart. If you're not praying, the virus will paralyze you. If you're not praying, when this virus is gone and it's going to pass, it may not look like it, but it's going to pass. It's going to be good and gone. Now, something else is coming down the pike, I mind you, because this is an evil world. Because some folk didn't learn their lessons during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, something else is coming. There's something else coming. I mean, we said when would things stop coming when you get to heaven. <laughs> OK. All right. That's it. When you get to heaven. OK. We're not in heaven. Now, some folk, here, some folk, they are in heaven. You say they are. Yeah, because this is the best they're going to get because they're going to hell from here. <laughs> they're going to hell from here. So this is the best they're going to. This is their heaven on earth. You know, but this is not my heaven. This is not my home. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. I'm just a passing through. So it's going to pass. And you know what? You will lose heart. Some folk will allow, have allowed this pandemic to steal just about two years of their lives. Two years, two years, two years, 24 months, life gone. You can't go back and get it. You scared to do this, you scared to do that. You paralyzed, I don't know. Then then you get get the vaccine, should I take it? Should I not? It's gonna do something. They got something in that's gonna mess me up, you know. I, I, you know and then you, and you, then you come up with this angle, and then it's that angle. And and, and I, it's just amazing how the Christians have become paralyzed, and the world is just free. They wee. they just having a great time. They go to the games, these college games. I mean, with no shirts on sitting out there drinking their cools and some of them can't get in the stadium don't even care and they have little parties around the cars and trucks. What you call those? Y'all know what they call? Tailgating y'all come on talk to me y'all talking you got those masks on but you can still talk. Tailgate, not there temperature dropping they tailgate you know it's cold in Minnesota but they still tailgating you know and all of a sudden I see folks in the restaurants packed out you can go in and get all the alcohol you want. You can get dry-by alcohol nowadays. You can go to strip clubs. Yeah, everything's essential. Pets is essential. Uh, is, is essential. I asked my the young guy, my young guy, I said, why are you still working? It's the pandemic. He said, We essential. <laughs> Cutting grass is essential. I said, Oh, okay, go and cut. You know, everything's essential. But who is saying the church is essential? All right. You ought to be like the Summers. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of God. We don't have 70,000 folk in here. We got a spirit center back there you can watch it on. You that scared? You can watch it outside in the, in the fire. And, and for those who are real scared, and now some, don't get me wrong, I know some folk have compromised systems and uh, and they, they really want to be here, but just uniqueness of their physicality will not permit. Don't you don't don't you send me nothing. We're not talking about you. OK, I'm, t- I'm looking right in that camera. We're not talking about you. We're not talking about you. But all y'all out there ain't sick either. OK, I, I submit to you today. The Bible says, let nothing separate me from the love of God. What if you had a scary pastor? I did a wedding the other day. Oh, I mean, right in the middle of the pandemic, it just broke out and I got called, can you do a graveside service? I said, okay. Then another funeral home chapel done can you do, my son of uh, my this person died. And I said, okay, I went right the, I didn't know what was going on, but, but I went, I, I bought my sanitizer, I had my stuff, I did everything. And I took everything off, and I—I I don't preach in my mass. I take it off because I want the gospel to go out, and I don't want to—I don't want to muzzle, muzzle the gospel. I say, well, if I die because I take it off for that little few minutes, then God just let me die. You know, I take it off because I want folk—I'm for God. You, know, you all muzzle up? No, I, I take it off. I ain't that scared. You six feet away? You way away? You know, if you, if you get me from up there, sitting way back there, then I ought to be God. <laughs> So, you know, and I go. I did a wedding the other day here. I went. And I go out I with the hospital. I go. And, and then when I got in there, then they told me after the fact, they say, you know, you were just in there. But COVID was on the same, you know, just run. You know, you, you just walked a little further. You walked in the COVID. I said, why, I said, why you tell me that? <laughs> I don't know what COVID was. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I would get nothing done. I wouldn't be able to serve you. Because I'm too scared. I could do a funeral. I could do, we did a funeral of uh, uh, one of our brothers here last, last, last Tuesday. I was here. I, I'm not scared. I go where God leads me to go. And if I'm going to die, I want to die doing what God called me to do. Called <clears throat> me to do. I want to leave from the front and not behind. And I have to, my wife and I have to set, uh, set the example for you. Now, we're not going to be out there crazy and just tempting God and just being foolish. And we take our precautions and do things. I'm not, we're not free for all. But the other side is we're not going to allow fear to rule our lives. And by the way, neither should you. Why don't y'all say amen? amen. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought to. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. See, not cultivating the mind of Christ, not cultivating the mind of Christ will cause believers to become fearful. Philippians 2 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When you start thinking like Christ, your life will settle down. Your life was settled down. And somebody call me just yesterday. I dare not call names. And it was just, you know, people called well, uh Well, I, I, I need a religious exemption paper because of this and that. I don't want to take the vaccine and this and that. We get more of these kind of calls and things coming. And uh, they asked me, should I take it and should I not? And, and, and uh, I'm not going to take it. And I'm going to get me a... A, a, an attorney, and you know, on and on and turning all all that. Well, you know, said, what what you think? Look how quiet y'all got. I said, you know something. You you need to stop listening to the television mm-hmm. and social media, and stop saying what you ain't gonna do. Mm-hmm. I said I said um, people take shingle shots. Flu shots, uh, typhoid shots. Y- y- y'all call it, what, what you call it, measles shots. Come on, help me call them. Call, huh? Flu shots, we said that one. Hepatitis, hepatitis shot. Go step on something now and see when they give you a, a shot. And You don't say, you know, I don't know that shot. I, and then I told her, I said, by the way, well, what kind of medicine you take? Uh, aspirin can do you in i was taking medicine about six years ago and my medicine turned against my body. And one, one of the preachers came up to me and said, Pastor, I think you're having a stroke. I said, what? I don't feel like it. I went and looked. This is, this is about. I was preaching two services at the time and I went and I looked in the mirror in the restroom. I said, oh, my God, I could not recognize my face. I didn't get a chance to preach that second service. This was several years ago. They rushed me to the hospital from here, and I stayed in there a number of days. Car was still here, came in suit, left here, and went straight to the emergency room. And there, my own medicine had turned against me. Say, I don't I don't want you though.
0: If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org, where you will find an archive of audio messages service times directions to the church upcoming events and much more you can also reach us at 210-821-5683 if you would like to make a special donation to support the radio ministry of maranatha bible church please visit our website at MaranathaSA.org. select the give option and choose the radio broadcast support fund thank you very much for your generosity